Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. It's time for a 45-year-old promise to be fulfilled to a scrappy 85-year-old man named Caleb. This is Joshua chapter 15. Let's begin in verse 13. He gave Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the following portion among the descendants of Judah based on the Lord's instruction to Joshua. Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb, Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, descendants of Anak. From there he marched against the inhabitants of Debir, which used to be called Kiriath Sefer. Let's do a quick flashback in the book of Exodus. Israelites are like way off the map down here, uh, northeast of Egypt. And they sent spies up into the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb were among those spies. At the end of the Exodus, they would cross the plains of Moab and end up, uh, end up here across from Jericho. And that's where, that's where Joshua would take over. But the report that came back from those spies included some pretty crazy exaggerations. And Joshua and Caleb both confirmed what was true about the report from their fellow spies, but also pushed back and said, no, God's able to give us this land. Well, lo and behold, Joshua and Caleb would, you know, not only would they turn out to be the only ones who were right, but they'd be the only ones who'd even get to experience this promised land. Here's where this was promised. This is Numbers 13, right? And we won't, we won't delve into this and fully exposit it just now. I did, I did teach a series in the book of Numbers. It's called uh, Shadows in the Sand, Numbers in Deuteronomy. It's on our YouTube channel too. Uh, so here's where they, they go out and they scout the land. Um, and they go up through the Negev and came to Hebron, um, and they, that's where, back in the book of Numbers, there, there's Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. And these were known as some pretty tall dudes. So here's where they, they take a cluster of grapes, and uh, they, they bring it with them to show everybody after their 40-day scouting mission, their, their reconnaissance mission. And then in verse 26, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here are some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hethites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted. In the original Hebrew here, this is, this is most directly analogous to the English word uh, shush, which is onomatopoeia for shut up. <laughs> Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. So you can see that there's uh, there's huge hyperbole 
in their in their description. First of all, beginning uh, with the scale of like just the grasshoppers, that's the most obvious high exaggeration here. If you are what you know, seven hundred times the size or the height of a grasshopper, you're saying that these guys were seven hundred times your size. You can tell they're they're using poetic language to try to drive home. Uh, a sense of fear, which, by the way, we've, we're we're at the point in the book of Joshua now where we can confirm that this was false. Everybody overestimated um, just how, how bad these guys would be, except for Joshua and Caleb. Uh, moreover, they said that the land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. What? No, it's flowing with milk and honey, and it's good. Uh, it's absolutely takeable because the next generation would, in fact, take it. We even saw the Nephilim there. Now, this is borrowing from the same Hebrew word that appears in Genesis 6-4 to describe these uh, men who were born of women and descended from, uh, like, these... The, supposedly, like, the, these spirits, you know, were a part of the, the, the conception of these, these Nephilim, and they claim that the, Ana, uh, the Anakites are, are descended from the Nephilim, which begs the question, how? The Nephilim all died in the flood. The Anakites were just tall dudes. They're just big guys. And so they, they would poison the report with hyperbole. They would, they would over-exaggerate. They would catastrophize how big the obstacle was to discourage the people of God from even trying. And it worked. Only Joshua and Caleb stood their ground. So guess who actually gets the land? Caleb. And who did he drive out from there? Shishai, Ahimon, and Talmai. It's no coincidence that the one guy who said God can do this is the one who saw God do it. He had the guts to not only take on these giants, but take on fellow believers. Man, the... The pessimists of a church are the only ones who use their spiritual gifts with faithfulness. Okay, I'm being facetious here. Pessimism is not a spiritual gift. And I'm not confusing pessimism with realism. These guys over-exaggerated how difficult it would be. And for that reason, they didn't inherit it. Only Caleb and Joshua, who saw the exact same thing that these guys saw, Caleb and Joshua were not delusional, and they weren't downplaying how big these guys were. It's that the Back to Egypt committee was exacerbating just how tall these guys were, even conflating them with the Nephilim. The word Nephilim never appears in the book of Joshua. The Anakites do, and they're big guys, but they're not, they're not the Nephilim. They're fundamentally different things. So the pessimists who catastrophize how difficult it's going to be, and they gauge what God can do based on their estimation of how big the challenge is. And they try to project their lack of faith onto others who have faith. And then they will oppose those who, with great faith, envision big things. Caleb is the only one who inherits this promised land. He's the one who actually takes on these giants and more. He gets his own allocation of land. He gives some to his daughter and her husband, to whom he's also related. That's a little bit weird. Othniel. Othniel comes up again in the book of Judges, chapter three. We see him. He's he's kind of the he's kind of the first judge, actually. And he was Caleb's son-in-law, slash sort of nephew. He was his nephew-in-law. But the point is that Caleb was the only one who had the guts, 
back in the book of Numbers, and so he's the only one who inherits what God promised. That's not a coincidence. Redemption Church, we're not facing tall giants. We are facing tall real estate prices. And we are saving and we are giving, we're contributing. But this is a bigger obstacle than other church plants have ever had to face here. The legacy churches that exist here have had their land for, they've had their land for, you know, better part of a century now, and they paid a fraction of what we will have to pay in order to get into a piece of property. God is able. He's absolutely able. He's able to bring in funding from inside and from without. He's able to bring prices down. He's able to bring donations up. He's able to do both at the same time. He is sovereign. Let's learn from this. As we take promised land in a different sense, and we, like Caleb, refuse to be intimidated by the gigantic real estate prices of the Seattle area. Once we've done this, once God has given this to the Redemption Church, as He's given so much already, and we pave a way and we invite others along with us. we got to plant more churches around here, guys. And in the bigger picture as well, the promised land in the New Testament sense is not a physical plot of land either in Israel or here in the Seattle area. It is eternal and it is forevermore and it is above. And so we may be called to face the Anakites. Let's not catastrophize, catastrophize how bad they are. Those are the people who lack faith. They never cease to shut up, but the people like Caleb, who have faith, God is able to do something that seems implausible or impossible. They're the ones who tend to see God do it. So let's enter the promised land with the faith and the audacity of Caleb. Do not exaggerate how bad things are. Rather, behold how bad big and how great and how good your God is.